This episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you with a moment of silence for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Terrence Crutcher, Tamir Rice, Mike Brown, Philando Castile, Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, Trayvon Martin, and countless other lives lost pointlessly to racism and violence. A link for the Minnesota Freedom Foundation can be found in the description of this episode. Howdy, yucks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edchill. And today is Monday. And this is Bacon and Eggs. So kill your own troops. And use the Darksaber. Because today we're bringing you The Mandalorian. Guys, 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 before we start the episode, which was super duper directed by Taika Waititi and came out 140, 54 wow. days ago on wow. December 27th, 2019 and received 100% credit score on Rotten Tomatoes. And yes, I memorized <laughs> those facts accidentally just now. We're joined by Casey Winners himself, the master winners, Mr. Hello from Elsewhere. And he is here to talk with us about episode eight of the mandalorian redemption casey introduce yourself I'm, tell the people where hello they can find you. hello greetings hi i'm casey winters you might have heard my voice at the beginning of this yeah. and other various podcasts uh, many truth podcasts. be told but with I can the mandalorian you might have it really i cannot remember to put it in these episodes for some reason <laughs> I know I need to meet Casey Winters in real life. Same, dude. But I want to come to Casey Winters' so small Utah frontier town and just <laughs> take it all in. And I think like, there's an impression that like I'm some pioneer that like I don't know. You guys have said it. Chopping do you down chop trees your own all firewood? day. <laughs> no, the wood. The only impression stove I have is, no is that you live here. someplace that is very different from Virginia, and you live a lot closer to like Moab than I do. Yes, I do. I do live closer to Moab. Moab is delightful. It is where, where I very much want to go, but I have not been. It's basically Tatooine, but cooler. Yo, no I went, Casey. I went to like 37 states last year. Like, right? Yeah. So I, the fact that I haven't gone to Utah and come to like zion national park and all these other places yet is just killing me every day ethan they don't have pizza shops that do punk rock shows at zion national park correct that's but they why have, you haven't been but they there. have stuff that i can take <laughs> photographs of and then people will buy those photographs for cash 
I, that's fair. I want to talk about The Mandalorian because this eighth episode is God, so What a banger. So the good. First, it's so good. The first so four good. minutes of this episode are the best TV I've seen all year. And it's uh, so with, uh, Just the two stormtroopers yeah. like, <laughs> not being allowed to walk in and, and the occasional commentary of like, yeah, no, so the boss just came in and killed everybody in the division because he wanted to, you know, these local types. <laughs> and then two minutes later, three minutes later, he's like, and he just killed somebody for interrupting him, so I'm not going to do that. And it's just like... <laughs> So it's directed by Taika Waititi, which is, it was to me obvious, even though I didn't know it, I was like, it has to be. Like, it has to yeah, be. Yeah, that's a very Taika scene. And it's also such a fun, like you you hinted at it, a fun like commentary on the Imperial side of things through all of Star Wars, but kind of through a comedic lens of these stormtroopers can't shoot. These stormtroopers are kind of idiots, but they're also mean. Right. They and they're talking shoot. about the, they can't hit the like thing that's off in the yeah. distance and they're shooting at it for like five minutes. And, and he shakes his gun and it sounds like a spray paint can. It's so yeah. Good. But also, <laughs> do you think, also, it's the in same the, time. It's the first time the you scout. feel empathy for the stormtroopers and for the dysfunction of the empire until they punch the child. Then yeah, until they punch the child. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the other one that's just like, hey, so uh, can I see it? And the first one's like, <laughs> no, obviously not. And the second one's like, <laughs> yeah, but not. I want no. to. And the third, the second one's like, no. And then he just keeps coming up with other ideas to see the child, and then he opens the bag, and the child is like... <laughs> okay, so quick question. Did the child look more HD in this episode than other episodes? Yeah. I think that Taika wasn't just me. wasn't afraid to maybe sit on him a little bit, you know? Keep the camera on him Keep a the camera on longer. him for more than one second? Yeah. Yeah. Additionally, I feel like Taika... So I do want to talk about Taika real quick, because this is very obviously a Taika Waititi episode. The best also, filmmaker like that has lived in the 21st century? You're correct. The very same. <laughs> but I also feel like he was working with a John Favreau script, and John was like, I don't know what to do with Taika's IG unit, and instead of making him funny, I'm just going to make Taika deliver these vanilla lines throughout the second half of the episode. See, no, I, I disagree. I felt like they sat down in a Motel 6 and just like banged this one out together. Like both so, of them. Like they came in and we're like, ah, we don't have a script for episode eight. Taika was like, oh, I got this. No worries. So wait, so Tyler, you didn't like IG-11 in this episode? Is that what you're it's, saying? No, it's not that I didn't like IG-11. It's that it's it's the same problem I've like Taika did what every single director in this show has been afraid to do, which was like give the Mandalorian a face. And I know that that was like a reveal and there was like a reason nobody did that. And that was like right. a, you know, finale thing. Um, but like give him the face and like kind of give him some more lines and more personality. And I appreciated all of that. But I feel like as an actor, Taika's acting chops were not utilized to their fullest extent. I feel like he was given a script for a much more... I don't want to say serious actor, but I feel like I don't get Korg from IG-11. Oh, I, I agree, but I didn't want Korg. I wanted a little bit more Korg. Oh, I, I could not be more happy with the performance of IG-11 in this episode. Yeah, I, I agree. I think because he's a droid, I think that there's a little more leeway for something slightly no, more wooden, maybe. Or it, It's not yeah. even that. Is it, it, it is that he is so stuck to his resolve. Like, he is now a nurse droid, and he has to be so 100 on his programming that... Din Djarin can trust him. Now, yeah. maybe I looked away from the screen. Is Din Djarin Mando's name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. I uh, do have to uh, say... In that in that scene where, um, where Moff Gideon shows his hand, where he knows everything about them, and he's like, tell Imperial Drop Trooper Kara Cynthia Dune to, to tell you about this. And also, maybe if you want to ask exiled Mandalorian Din Djarin about this, and he, and he, he like... He runs each of them down to a point where they're uncomfortable with. They're like, he yeah. obviously knows so much about them. They're uncomfortable. And that's the name reveal for this this Mandalorian. He's like, Moff Gideon knows the name. Okay. 
Back to IG-11 real quick. The scene of him on the speeder bike through town with baby, you know, with the child on his lap is one of my favorite things in all of Star Wars. I love it. And you just see, you see explosion, 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 and the whole stormtrooper, like they've got the E-Web right there ready to fire and they're all sitting there like, (laughs) what on earth? (laughs) So good. I... I love, so I haven't seen like all of the Clone Wars, but I do know the IG units show up there sometimes, right, Casey? Uh, maybe IG-88, but it's been a while since I've seen the older the older episodes. Um, I know that there was an episode early on that was like an R2-centric episode that was about two IG units. And even in that episode, they are like uber super battle droids that, you know, don't miss and, and hit their target right. and have incredible armor and i i love the the character that there is this like somebody out there was like instead of mass-produced droids what if we made extremely powerful droids and i just really like them right yeah he comes up and even the stormtroopers give him pause they're like ig units are hunters like we don't want to mess with these guys yeah right and that pause is their undoing yeah he wrecks them he wrecks shop um speaking of wrecking shop let's talk real quick about grand moff gideon what do you want to say i would let him him, i would let him dark saber me i just like i i (laughs) (laughs) i love obviously i've made it clear during this show and our main show that i'm a huge breaking bad stan right i also loved giancarlo esposito in westworld this is such a great character for him where he gets to play this like know-it-all bad guy it's like he does it so perfectly yeah he's amazing yeah he's an incredible gideon is everything uh freaking oh my god ah carl weathers could never be grief cargo yeah grief cargo (laughs) 100 actually though i do want to talk about carl weathers Carl Weathers delivers some decent dialogue in this episode. Carl Weathers does kidding? all right. At the, at the very end of the episode, he's like, excellent adventure, Quester. No, no, but before that, before that, when he's like, he's, his back's up against the wall, he's in the tavern and he's like, you know, telling him we got to get out of here. We got to do this. We got to do that. Like, I believe him. I feel him for the first time. I also you think know what I, that Taika allows him to do some more physical stuff rather than just talking like the whole, um, the, the camera keeps shooting back to him, just taking a drink, like doing some physical stuff. That's even a little bit comedic versus just giving him dialogue. Cause I do think his dialogue's often a little bit stale, um, through the series, but yeah, I think he allows right. Taika allows him to do some more physical stuff. It's almost like you have an Oscar winning director, like right doing this episode <laughs> knows how to get actors like, this, is to a, stuff. this is a whole different level of tv like right like like taika Waititi doesn't do television episodes yeah. does he not is this is he doesn't even do he, he doesn't even one. do what we do in the shadows the tv show like no why would he somebody else does it um yeah no it, it's just truly um i go back to and i watch it today there is a scene in breaking bad where uh jesse pinkman beats up gustavo frank right the the aaron paul's character beats up um Giancarlo esposito's character and mm-hmm. literally like there is if you if you take the audio out and everything and and this is a, a video i can send you guys there's video of Giancarlo esposito being like aaron it's for the scene hit me just hit me <laughs> just actually hit me i will be fine we need to get the shot and he's just like He's this, like, soft, kind person that gets typecast into these, like, super villainous roles. And he does them so well because he can just completely detach. And, like, he's the one that decided how his character died in Breaking Bad, which is, uh, I, I think it was one of, like, the, the Emmy's, like, top 10 film moments of the last decade. Top 10 TV moments of the last decade was the, like, Gustavo gets, Fring explodes like, cut, scene. Right? How he explodes? Yeah, he, he, like, blows up the, the like, his, his whole hotel room gets blown up by, um, mm. like, Tuco's granddad. The guy in the, the guy so with the good. bell. We gotta revisit that. The guy with the bell. You remember the guy with the bell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
They like put yeah, the bomb in his uh, wheelchair and like roll him in there to talk to Gus and they blows up. Just like IG-11. And just like IG-11, yeah. <laughs> IG-11 who sacrifices himself. I can't believe you don't like IG-11 in this episode. I, I, maybe I was a little harsh. It's not that I don't like IG-11. It's just that it wasn't the dialogue that I was expecting. But he, I, he turns... The Mandalorian from I don't trust droids into I'm sad that you're going to die in the course of 20 minutes. I do appreciate that development. I think Mando, by the end of the 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 flaming river you know their their journey down the river sticks yeah has gone from i am a solo adventurer like truly that whole scene goes from like i am a solo adventurer to like this is my party now and i, mean, I do not want right he to goes, leave them for any reason he goes from i don't trust jorids to ig11 can see my face yeah and he's also willing to ride in a ferry with a fairy astromech droid that also has arms and legs which is fantastic and weird and <laughs> it looks so much more right. Also, I don't like the face reveal in this episode. Truthfully, oh, I, you're, I think really? you're one of the few. I don't. I didn't. I didn't get anything out of it. I haven't the, the second time I watched it either. It's like I guess I knew it was Pedro Pascal. So when they pull the helmet off, and I'm like, cool, it's Pedro Pascal's face that we. Didn't I think that's need to exactly see. what you're supposed to get. Is that he takes the helmet off and he is just guy. I guess, yeah. I don't know. It just, it felt cheap, I guess. I mean, you knew they had to do it, right? Right, but I I, I wished so much that they didn't do it because they had to do it, I guess. I would have loved if they waited until, like the Master Chief. So across fiction, right? There's like the very end of Empire Strike, of uh, Return of the Jedi is when Vader takes his helmet off. And like the Master Chief, you never see his face. Ever. You never see John 117 in Halo. Uh, I know, but but Kylo Ren takes his helmet off. Kylo Ren takes his helmet 30 off 30 minutes into The Force Awakens. Yeah. But Somebody's it's also like, kind of the same thing where he looks kind of normal and Ray's kind of like, oh, I was expecting oh, you're right. a super yeah, right, 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 right. But like, what's with the ventilator, bud? Do you need it? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> keep keep going, Ethan. I, 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 I see where you're coming from. If you're listening to this episode right now and you have not seen... The Rise of Skywalker. Please stop listening to the episode. Just hit the <laughs> hit the fast forward 15 seconds button a couple times, guys. Kylo Ren like sacrifices himself for the cause that, in a way that Vader was never able to and never would have. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. Correct, Ren's my correct. But I'm saying that, that is such a bold and different move that like I feel like they could have gotten away because this came out a freaking week after the Rise of Skywalker. Like they could have gotten away with not showing us the Mandalorian's face, and I think that would have been a bold and interesting move that I wish they would have made. No, I can totally, I can totally see where you're coming from because. Um, often with, with stories when there's some sort of face reveal or a mask reveal, it's some like actor that maybe you didn't know was there, or maybe the, the face is surprising in some way, but we pretty much knew this was Pedro Pascal. Right. I don't know if anyone thought he would look different under the mask. So I, it, it's not even that so much for me is like, we make such a big deal of him not taking the mask off and not taking the mask off and still not taking the mask off and refusing to take the mask off that like all yeah. of a sudden he's just like, okay, cool. I'll take it off for this droid. And, but, right. but, 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 but the camera sees it. I feel like he could have taken the mask off for the droid and the camera not seen it. I love this well, conversation because, um, Valerie and I on Hello from Elsewhere have been planning a, a masks episode related to the Mandalorian. So yeah. this is like the exact direction. Anyway, uh, um, uh, sorry. Train of thoughts Those really of you who haven't seen the Rise of Skywalker, time back in. You can listen now. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, we talked about Rise of Skywalker spoilers. Go 
watch The Rise of Skywalker. Like, it is the ninth Star Wars movie. I know there's people out there that haven't seen it, though. I know you're there. I'm talking to you. Yeah, look <laughs> at your phone. Look at your phone. I'm talking to you. Okay, go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. talking to you. Even if you don't end up liking it, there are worse ways to spend two and a half hours. Right, it's free. It's Disney+. Plus. Yeah. You have Disney+. Plus. You're watching The Mandalorian. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> Um, but I just, I feel like, yes, I feel like they had to do it. And I feel like I wish they would have just said, we have to do it and then not done it, especially from Taika Waititi. I do think it's important that he lets a droid see his face though. I agree, I but I don't think we valuable. had to see it, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. 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 It could have been implied. So hold on. Talking about specifically faces Taika Waititi, the whole, the whole gamut. Do you think maybe this was like almost like a, a double reverse sort of move where they were like, all right, we're going to like really lead it up. Like we're going to show the face and then we're not going to show the face. And then Taika was like, nope, I'm doing it anyway. Because, and he did this with Thor. He like takes Thor's eye, cuts Thor's hair, takes the hammer, does I, the whole thing. I would assume he had more creative control on Thor than he did on this. I would agree. Really? You think yeah, Feige was like, yeah, absolutely. just go nuts? Well, I think it's more that um, because it's TV and because it's the eighth chapter in right, everything that's finale. come before, I just think, I don't think there was much creative control. Even right. stuff that felt very Taika Waititi, like I think the weird astromech with arms and legs felt like him. It probably wasn't him. Like, and even those kinds of ideas. Even with Thor, it's like Kevin Feige obviously gave him free reign to a certain extent. He was like, take the, the established franchise and retcon it all you want and allowed yeah. him to write it. But here's what... I guess this is the point where that comes back around is he takes Thor's hair, he takes his eye, he takes the hammer, and then immediately thereafter, he gets back an eye, he gets back a hammer, he gets back Mjolnir, he gets Stormbreaker. In, later in Infinity War, you mean? Yeah, well, in an endgame, right, he gets Right, Mjolnir. because Kevin yeah. Feige doesn't have the stones to stand up to the Russos. I agree with that. I That was one thing that did bother me about Infinity War was immediately how it backtracked on lots stuff of things bother me about Ragnarok. infinity war thor and lots of things bother me about um uh endgame. endgame thor there was nothing that sold me harder on the mcu than thor ragnarok i would still to this day say it is my favorite movie in the mcu i would probably say without that missing a beat like I, I would i think about it for five minutes i i might disagree but like if you ask me what's my favorite movie in the mcu right now it's thor ragnarok hardcore and and obviously Obviously, Taika Waititi wrote outside the boundaries that, that Kevin Feige and the Russos were comfortable with because they immediately turned around and went, mm, we're going to nerf this and that and this and that and change it back to this and we're going to make him fat. I do think some parts of those were like even I think Chris Hemsworth didn't want to act with an eye patch. So I think there were some things that were maybe actor right. choices as well. But yeah. Yeah. But like King of Asgard wears an eye patch. That's right. like the whole thing. <laughs> right. Because Odin leaves his eye at the bottom of the world tree. Uh, fucking, what's its name? Not Isildur. That's the, uh, guy from... Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil, yeah. Yeah. Odin leaves his eye at the bottom of the world tree so he can observe the different realms. This is mythology. Yeah, but Odin's dead. Correct, but Odin's throne has to be taken by somebody, and therefore, somebody else has to leave their eye at the bottom of Yggdrasil to be spoken to by the squirrel. Maybe yeah, he'll he just take out the eye, eye that Rocket gave to him and then set that one. I think Rocket gave him Odin's eye. Whoa. Yeah. Mind blown. I, mean, <laughs> I love that. I mean, that would explain why Odin wasn't able to see Thanos coming because his eye was gone from the bottom of the world tree. <laughs> also, thank you for providing uh, me with the name of the world tree, by the way. Thank you, Casey. Um, also, if you're, out of nowhere, just if, like Rocket hey, pulled an eye out hey, of nowhere. Um, it, it is revealed in Ragnarok that in this version of the Norse mythology that Odin's reign ends at nine of many more realms. So there's a good chance that... Correct. That, uh, I just... Okay, so they always tell me to shoot my shot. Else. 
They always tell me to shoot my shot and use my platform, okay? Who tells you this? Who is telling you this? Everybody, okay? They tell me to shoot my shot, okay? <laughs> Odin. He dreams of Odin. I just want to I want to speak to the void for a second. Okay. I'm listening. That's I am I would say that I am <laughs> one of the biggest American Gods fans in the United States of America. And Tori Amos, if you are listening, I would like to come to your farm outside Blacksburg and visit the World Tree. Thank you. <laughs> I don't remember how I don't remember how Tori Amos how her speaking voice sounds. Otherwise, I would. I don't either. I don't necessarily even know that I know who Tori Amos is. But Neil Gaiman decided that the World Tree Yggdrasil lived on Tori Amos's family farm outside Blacksburg, Virginia, and I would like to go there. Because I live an hour from there. Is it like a, is Tori Amos like a Capricorn or how does that work? How does that fit in here? I have no idea what Tori <laughs> Amos's sign is. <laughs> <laughs> you're not Just, using If internet, you're listening, right? you think- I would like to come visit the world tree. Thank you. <laughs> the void has heard you. The void has heard me. <laughs> I think the point of the void, Casey, is that it's indifferent and it. It hears, yeah. but does not pass. That's why the void said it has heard him, but yeah. it, it didn't agree yay or nay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, yeah. I'm waiting for an email from Tori Amos, see if I come visit her farm. Or an email from the void. Or an email from the void. That's a very Night Vale of I'm you. Sure the, I'm sure the the void is progressive enough technologically to have an email address. I think the now. void would probably send me like a LinkedIn DM. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, do you have a LinkedIn? I don't believe it. I do. I, I believe it still says that I'm a New York Life, yeah, a New York Life insurance agent. Okay, so that's not accurate. But <laughs> well, I haven't needed LinkedIn since then. Uh, back to the Mandalorian. Well, I know what I wanted to say. I, I think this episode just makes me really more excited for a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie on the horizon. It's happening and I cannot. It makes me excited for season two of The Mandalorian. In a way that none of the other episodes did. Yeah, because (laughs) Grand Moff Gideon has the Darksaber. Yes. So I don't cool. even watch the animated shows, and I was like, this is a good moment. I, yeah, I did not even watch the animated shows, but I knew what Darksaber was. Like, it was brought to my attention enough that when he pulled that out, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so can I, cool. Can yeah. I tell you a story about the Darksaber? Yeah. My, like... Do you own the Darksaber? Pre- I do, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, my appreciation for the Darksaber comes from, like, the Star Wars shows are so readily available that you just, you know, open Disney Plus and you can watch them and you can see all these scenes with all these characters from the prequels and the Darksaber and Ahsoka and all this stuff. But learning about these things is this, like, weird thing in my mind where, like, the Darksaber is this, like, unspoken cheat code in Mario 64 where if you are able to do 55 wall jumps in a row and unlocks a cutscene that isn't in any guides and you can't find in the code anywhere and then you get to see the scene with the dark saber you know what i'm saying it's like this like uber easter egg in my mind even though it's not it's just readily available content when i first saw like a facebook video that had it i was like oh my god somebody really unlocked something special here <laughs> somebody really went out of their way see, and found something my for me. thing <laughs> is like i guess i come from like a different 
idea about everything that like when I first watched Star Wars, the fact that all lightsabers were created equal kind of annoyed me. So this is a, a break from that. Is that, that there isn't like an Excalibur of lightsabers. And I guess there is. It's the Darksaber. Theoretically, it's the best of the lightsabers, right? Like that's the whole idea is that like that is the weapon that was created to destroy the Jedi because and tell me if I'm wrong here. This is what I've understood is it was created to destroy the Jedi because it's better than other lightsabers. Well, and it's uh, it's very significant in Mandalorian culture. Yeah. Whoever has the Darksaber um, is Mandalore, which is the name of like their leader right so the fact that that grand mob has it is is you know it's sacrilege the fact that he has the dark saber right which is interesting and fantastic and i'm excited to see where that goes exactly because this is this is the most lore heavy thing that a main franchise star wars thing has ever done right the closest we get is like hearing ahsoka's voice in the rise of skywalker but that is very brief and super blink and you miss it kind of moment this is in your face this is um, this is the mandalorian saying hey y'all we heard you we're here for it we're gonna yeah. include it you have to trust us right well and for years and years and years marvel had you know their end tag credit scenes that were like if, if you didn't know comic book lore which um there are plenty of times where i'm like i don't know what this means and so you go look it up on the internet star wars has had little moments like that before but this is definitely the biggest one where like i don't know what that is but it seems significant i'm gonna look this up what is this thing right it's the, fir- it's so, the first thing Casey, that's ever what- been presented to a live action star wars audience where they're like i don't know what that i don't know what just happened yeah casey what you just presented to me, like i honestly didn't know the thing about like the the wielder of the dark saber is mandalore that is straight up news to me i learned like, that I learned 30 that seconds right after now. watching this episode for the first time when i typed the I word didn't... dark saber into wikipedia <laughs> oh yeah i was gonna be like did you just um but i had a point it is it is very much like those comic books things because if you are a comic book fan and they're like yeah the second movie in captain america is captain america and the winter soldier like you're immediately thought immediate thought goes to oh so bucky survived too right, but if right. you're not a comic book person that reveal has value so right. i don't know which way it's supposed to be or like which way makes it more valuable because I think when if you watch season one episode eight of the Mandalorian and see the Darksaber and you're like oh my god that's the the you know the the Excalibur of Mandalorians you probably got more out of that than I did when I was just like I know that there was a scene in a show that I didn't watch that involved this I think maybe I got more out of it in the moment but I don't think that long term I think both are valuable I think that the fact that I've seen Clone Wars and Rebels yeah it made it super exciting to see the Darksaber but I don't think that takes anything away from someone seeing it for the first time and being whoa that's a black saber with a white light around it that looks awesome and then come next season they're going to learn that there's some sort of significance to it and there's going to be value in it i don't think that there's i don't don't think there's a right way or wrong way to do it yeah and i think star wars or uh favreau is going to have to exposition that whole story i wouldn't be surprised if season two opens with like a shot on mandalore of a mandalorian wielding it and and somebody narrating what it means. It also has implications for characters that could be in season two um, that haven't been announced yet. I know there's been a lot of speculation and even like con- confirmed castings for certain characters, but there's one character I don't want to, I don't want to say more, but I think that there are implications for more important characters that could potentially be in um, season two or in flashbacks or, or something because, because of who has had the dark saber in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let you pick up there. I felt like you had something. So I, I didn't. I let it go. I didn't. 
Uh, I'm really excited. I like. I feel like we've been pretty cold on The Mandalorian this whole series. I want to make it clear that I like this show. Same, yeah. I think that we have, we have, I think peeling it apart episode by episode lends it to being like, well, this episode doesn't necessarily make sense to the canon. And then realizing you've said that for seven straight weeks and you're like, okay, that might just be what they're going for. And we've said that a couple times, but it's like, I do right. genuinely like the show. Rules. I genuinely enjoyed watching it. It was a good time. It was good fun. And I everything the- in the season was worth it for these last two episodes. So I, I don't watch television almost at all. Like, I watch movies for this show, and otherwise, I the only time I watch TV is maybe the occasional sporting event, which there are none now, and maybe, like, bubble guppies. Yeah, a lot of bubble guppies. Um, Makes sense. The Void approves. The Void should approve. Uh, it is weird for me to engage in something Star Wars, something that I love so much, and when I compare... The Mandalorian to the few other shows that I watch. I watched Breaking Bad eight years ago. I The only show that I think I consistently watch is Stranger Things. And I want to talk about that specifically because what blows my mind is if I watch The Mandalorian, it's like, okay, I love Star Wars above almost all other franchises, like period, across the board. Uh, but almost strictly in a film sense, it is weird for me to watch something Star Wars that I genuinely enjoy that I do not enjoy as much as Stranger Things. Does that kind of... Like, like, that's sort of like the weird feeling for me of being like, and if Stranger Things is the litmus test for what TV shows that do I watch, then I finish this series and I'm like, well, it wasn't really as good as Stranger Things, but it is Star Wars, so I'm going to well, keep I watching think, it. I think that's pretty natural, especially because it's the first season in the very first live action Star Wars thing. And so there's going to be some slightly mixed feelings about that. Right. And there's going to be growing pains. Yeah. But that was that was sort of how I feel. But it's it's just because I don't watch TV. Too many podcasts. I don't have time for television. Do you watch TV, Ethan? Uh, I have been recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just watched Any Outer good Banks. Shows out there. Oh, was it good? It was very good. Extremely good. I couldn't tell if it was good or not. I, so Emily watches a lot of television because I do this, and uh, so I'll come out after this and I'll watch like half an episode of whatever show she's watching. And I could not tell if Outer Banks was good or not. Uh, it is very, it's crazy. It is crazy. Like, they they wrote it in that show. They were like, okay, what does the audience think we're going to do next? Let's do something eight degrees to the left. Where they were like, they were like, obviously, we should do this. Let's go that way with it. And they just do that over and over and again. They just do that over and over again for 10 episodes. And you're you're sitting there like, I am, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Not in like a bad way, just it's 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 like nuts. And then the question is, do you want more of that? I do, yeah, because they left it on a very, very good cliffhanger. Was there a dark saber? There was not yeah. a dark saber, no. It was well, a less good cliffhanger than this. <laughs> Would you have been surprised if there was a dark saber? Very. <laughs> if if at the end of Outer Banks, Grand Moff Gideon shows up and was like ah. <laughs> a TIE fighter. Yeah. If if the what boat you- if the boat sank at the end of Outer Banks and it was just like <laughs> I want to talk about the TIE Fighter real quick. So a lot of our big bads in the Star Wars movies have like their own higher TIE ranking. Uh, a shuttle no, of some kind. But they're, they're shuttles of some kind, I feel like, are like higher ranking vessels than TIE Fighters. Like doesn't, and I, maybe I'm misremembering, but Vader flies a bomber, right? In episode four, but he does have a shuttle later that he uses. Yeah, but he also has a TIE Fighter. I mean, it's a TIE bomber, but it's still a TIE Fighter. My, my guess, my theory is just that this is post um, a unified empire and their resources are thin and so he pretty much flies what he can do you think tie fighters are comfortable do you feel like they have like ac and heated seats i don't know no way i don't think so yeah no. probably not or maybe that's the maybe that's that scream sound is the, <laughs> the air conditioning. leaking 
I feel like I I feel like we haven't talked about the child enough, and maybe there's not anything else. This is the last time we're going to talk about the child. At the scene where the child is riding the speeder bike, and it's just like a zoomed in shot on his face, and he's like, (laughs) "Oh my god, (laughs) this is amazing!" It's like his first roller coaster. It's fantastic. It's just like literally every every opportunity they have to show the child being adorable, they do. Even in this episode, when the the dude opens the the bag, and he's just like. And I am so excited to see where the next season goes with the Mandalorian being the surrogate father trying to find the child's family. I whether really that hope succeeds or I, I really know. hope it it's better than Guardians question. of the Galaxy Volume Two. Agreed. Yeah. Or no, not even after that. I, I really didn't. It was Infinity War, I guess, where they got Teen Groot. I didn't like Teen Groot. Really, I liked Teen Groot. This is going to be a hot take. I like Teen Groot more than uh, Toddler Groot. I liked Toddler Groot better. I mean, than I liked Teen him. Groot. I guess it's hard to separate it from that movie, which I wasn't a fan of, and I know Same, you guys weren't yeah, fans I, of. So. I get that. Yeah. And I was more of a fan of the Guardians in Infinity War, but I didn't like, you know, like adolescent angry Groot where he's like, I am Groot. And Quill's like, hey, language. And I'm like, this is a dumb joke. So your fear is that the child is going to get too big. I feel like, yeah, they're going to age the child too much. And it's not going to be cute. And it's going to be like, you know, baby Yoda being like, I'm going to strangle everybody I meet because he's teen Yoda. I could see that. I would really like genuinely like obviously the child, but like toddler Yoda right now or even baby like infant Yoda. I want like like nine-year-old Anakin Yoda. I think there's a, a valuable demographic here that we don't see enough of. And Star Wars does a good job with it because we get Jake Lloyd as Anakin. Uh, Where, like, the Mandalorian just has to let Yoda pod race? No, doesn't Are let him pod race. Are you an angel? <laughs> Everybody be nice to Jake Lloyd. Okay? This is true. This is true. I, uh, yes. Please be uh, nice to Jake Lloyd. When the Mandalorian looks at him, he's fault. like, that's so wizard, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like there's... I want to see like eight year old or nine year old Yoda. I don't know. It's I, it is a fascinating age group to me that I don't feel like is represented enough. Um, but I actually did want to talk about something Star Wars. I don't know. We're getting close to wrap. So bring us bring us back home, baby boy. Bringing us back home. We're talking about bow 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 down down Star Wars. I'm not thinking. My brain is blank because I keep singing this song. Uh. Go on. Oh, does he have the button? Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Baby Yoda is now in the care of a Mandalorian. I am interested to see how his, and I think this is hopefully what the show is, how his personality develops. Oh, no, this is... I'm interested to see how his personality develops as it grows as a character with force powers, with like like a neutral, lawful, good character, but not in the way that the Jedi are. Um, but I'm also interested to see... Dang it, I had to make that point and then I lost the other point. This is 99% invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Yodas are an interesting species. What we really don't know about Yodas is that really there was this just one of them know. and then it didn't come from... You know, we, we get a second one in the show. Hold in on, the you're forgetting TV about show, the Mandalorian. Yaddle. We were introduced. You're forgetting to... about Yaddle, and I'm really upset about this. Who is She's Yaddle? On the Jedi Coun- Yaddle is the female on the Jedi Council. She's like Yoda, but with hair. In what property? Uh, the Phantom Menace. There's no a way. female Yoda in the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yaddle. She's fantastic. She doesn't really do Listeners, much in there. Listeners, it is 10.06 p.m. on May 29th, 2020, and I am learning this information for the first time. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Uh, this is 99% invisible. 
I'm Roman Mars. Did you know that there is a female Yoda from the beginning of the Star Wars saga? And then somebody with a higher voice than Roman Mars is like, I really just think that Yoda is a very important part of the Star Wars universe. And there's some music and Roman Mars is like, what we don't know about Yoda is where he came from or where his species is from or what planet. Okay, or even what enough of 99 PI. Here's what I want to know. <laughs> Mandalore, he has to take baby Yoda back to his family and until such a time will be the surrogate father. The question and the interesting concept here is, is he going to seek out the tribe of baby Yoda creatures or is he going to seek out Luke Skywalker? I mean, no, I don't know. he's not going to seek out Luke Skywalker. But that's the thing. Is he going to seek out the Jedi because the Jedi forsake their families? Or is he going to seek out the like, literal... I don't think the Mandalorian is going to let Yoda reconnect with the Jedi the way he wants to because that person told... He, because the Mandalorians believe the Jedi are enemies, right? Like, that's that's what we got in this episode from Miss Badass that uh, breaks everything. I like her. Yeah, she's very Man. cool. She's very yeah, cool. And I'll we have a whole, whole like side mission her. where she's like... Your sigil is the Mudhorn. And I'm like, what is happening? This is cool, and but like... she beats up some stormtroopers with her tools. Yeah. With her tools. Ugh. She's very cool. But she literally is like... And that is, that is a revelation moment for a lot of people watching this show, where they're like, what? The Mandalorian think of the Jedi as enemies? But the Jedi are the good guys! It's almost like war is not so binary. Right, and it's almost like that's where we're going to go with season two, especially if Boba Fett comes back. Boba Fett isn't on the side of the Jedi. Okay, can we talk about Boba Fett? Because you brought him up last episode and you invoked my name, so I feel like I have to address Boba Fett. Yes. Casey, as long as... Hold on, real quick. Before I invoke your name on Boba Fett, um, are the Stormtroopers at the beginning anybody? Yes. uh, Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally. (laughs) Wait, one of them is Jason Sudeikis? The you one didn't know that, that no, yeah, <laughs> they both punch him, but Jason Sudeikis is the one holding him, right? Yeah, he's the main. Puncher. I know who both of those people are. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's no, but you had asked about Boba Fett uh, if he survived and whether that was canon. Because you had the image of his hand coming out of the Sarlacc, right? Yeah. You, that image in your head does not come from Star Wars. That comes from Patton Oswalt's It comes uh, from Patton Oswalt and Parks and Rec, and yeah. Parks and Rec, yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic. I've uh, learned that the since then. A couple of people have said that to me and been like, <laughs> okay. hey, this is Patton Oswalt on Parks and Rec. And I was like, yes, it absolutely <laughs> is. When he's like pr- pitching the city council on why he should get <laughs> to do the next Star Wars movie. Which they filmed him filibustering um, for 10 minutes. So they had to cut that. So I highly recommend looking for the entire filibuster on YouTube. It. Patton Oswalt is a treasure. Yes, he's a genius. <laughs> also, who is who who is calling Patton Oswalt and being like, hey, you don't get to work on Star Wars. Give Patton Oswalt Star Wars. He should at least have like a cameo, but he should yeah. probably be a writer. Yeah. I'm with it. Let's put that into the void. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that that's probably the case. What's probably I, I think case? that if Pat Oswalt wanted to work on Star Wars, he would work on Star Wars. I don't know. I don't think it's that easy. Pat Oswalt, he, he gets jobs from time to time, but he's not like John Favreau. I would literally argue that he is on the same Hollywood level as John Favreau. Yeah, 100%. He's Remy and Ratatouille. Was he really? I learned that this second. I but now Pat that Oswalt. you know, you're like, yeah, he was. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> We're learning oh, so many working, good things in this episode. He is working big Disney. He's in MODOK, which is a MCU series. Gotta be. He's always oh, working, though. MODOK is a weird looking character. Yes, he is. If you look him up, he's like a floating head. He's like a floating head and chair, right? But with arms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just go back to Pat Oswalt bringing his like Emmy to Arby's like three days after he, his wife died. It's a very, very sad image. That is sad. I love that man. Same. I love roast beef. All right, cool. Let's let's bring it back around home, boys. All right. You did you have a final point, Casey? It sounded like I might have cut you off there. No, no. I just I loved this episode. I like the Mandalorian as a series. Um, 
when IG-11 says, if you go near this child, I will harm, I will have no choice but to kill you. I think he's speaking for all of us. And um, yeah, if season two goes after the child, we will kill it. I right, don't know what like, that means. I mean, if you're Disney, you've created a problem almost because you can't harm the child. Yeah. I, I don't think Disney sees that as a problem. I mean, it's definitely a corner. The crazy thing is that it... Like we've mentioned many times, the child never gets old, but will it? You know, that's a scary thought. I mean, eventually. But will it? Will it take 60 years or will it take six years is the real question. That's fair. How old was Yoda when he died Was the, is the real question because the child is 50 something, right? Yoda was 900. Yeah. Roundabout. So, and Yoda was clearly old for his species. Like this, this child is young for its species. Yoda was old for his species. Correct. Because he walked with a cane and, and, you know, had to use the force to like operate. To, to mobilize, to, to, to um, ambulate is the word I'm looking for. Yes, he definitely died of old age, for right. sure. So, you know, 50 out of 900 is 1 18th of your life. How long does that leave Yoda before he starts to, like, be able to speak? Or maybe it would leave the child before he starts to be able to speak is the real question. That's some good math. What would that be in about human understanding? That's what I'm, I'm trying to think about. Um, what's one? An 18th of your life is I mean, an like 18th of 100 years. is 18 years, right? Like, yeah. But if you think of a, a human, humans... In America, like male humans live to like what seventy seven average. I, I put it in as eighty eight, and that puts them at four point eight years old. Yeah, I was gonna say it's about five. So yeah. the child is about five by human standards, which doesn't quite make sense. But so they must age. But they also say species somewhere. age differently. And yeah. like, I feel like once you're able to use the force to control yourself, maybe you age from five to you know. 20. I mean, I, I cannot imagine... In a matter of months. I cannot imagine a world in which the child cannot speak in season two, I guess. is sort of just like, from a TV perspective, I can't imagine a world in which the child can't speak in season two. You know yeah, what I mean? they've got to move his character forward in right, some way. Right, He can't just be cute, like, open parentheses, the child coos, close, per, close right. parentheses. <laughs> like, it was cool. It was, a, it was a novelty. It is not a novelty anymore. Right. And the but series will not survive a novelty. Does the, does the child sound like Bubbles from Powderpuff Girls? And what will be... The child's first word. I mean, if Tara Strong voices the the child, then yeah, you have a you have a winning series there. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of The Mandalorian. <laughs> it's very important that you go listen to Hello from Elsewhere if you like Star Wars discussions. I literally can't think of a better way to think about Star Wars than to listen to Casey and his wife, who have the world's most beautiful voices. It's like a cheat code. It is like a freaking cheat code. Both of them. Do your <laughs> it's like kids the dark like when it's when it's bedtime? Do your kids just? clock out they ask for a lot of books to be read yes <laughs> yeah i bet they do yeah but i can like, imagine hey, being a child and having my dad casey winters be like <laughs> mr and mrs vernon dursley were very proud to say that they were perfectly normal thank you you gotta go much, much younger ethan you gotta and, be like and and, chica, and, and chica, i would be asleep boom. like cold <laughs> <laughs> i would be done <laughs> I just need to start that reading podcast where I just read random things. It's got to happen. Just do it, Case. See if I stop you. Okay. See if I stop you. See if I fund it. See what happens. I'll just do it. Can't stop me. We would not ever try to stop you. We would almost certainly (laughs) fund you. (laughs) (laughs) But listen to Hello From Elsewhere. It's an excellent, excellent podcast. They just passed 10,000 downloads, and now we just need to get to 20,000 overnight and then a hundred thousand and a million and then a hundred million and then we're just going to change the world but for right now let's focus on doubling that first number so if you just could go to hello from elsewhere leave a positive review click the subscribe button download every episode listen to every episode just like do everything you can for hello from elsewhere stan like your life depended upon it and if you Uh, love star wars we just had a women in star wars episode that uh 
that Valerie, my co-host, and slash my wife, and uh, Becca and Uni from Sincerely Us were on there. And it was awesome. And I love that episode. And I can say that because I had nothing to do with it. And uh, and like I said, we're going to have a, a masks in Star Wars coming up. So I'm so excited, excited about for that. that. But we also don't all just talk about Star Wars. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Everything from, I don't know, Paddington to Lord of the Rings to fictional maps. That's what we'll we'll have Casey Winters and John Negroni on to talk about Paddington or Paddington Two. Yes, Paddington Two. Are, are you two. and I taking like a week off? No, all Casey four of John us. Talk- we talk about Paddington oh, okay. Two. I would adore that. <laughs> It's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, just like this episode of The Monday Lorian. Anyway, um, I've been Ethan Edgehill, he's been Casey Winters, and he's been Tyler Carlin. And until next time, Arrivederci. This is the way.